Good morning, everyone. This is um, part two of our look at the letter to the Galatians. It's chapter three and four, <clears throat> and it's all about the superiority of the gospel. So jumping from last time, where Paul concludes, his old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ. So God, not distant, not just placated in his wrath, living in us the law does not need to placate the lord for the lord jesus lives in us and it is from this that part two jumps in and the huge question for all of us comes in verse two read verse two did you receive the spirit because you obeyed the law of moses no you received the spirit because you believed the message about christ so for us, we could say, did we receive the Spirit because we went to church and ticked a bunch of nice boxes? No, you receive the Spirit because you receive, because you believe the message about Jesus. How does this confirm your faith? Do you guys sometimes feel the temptation to earn your way into God's good graces, to earn your way to the Holy Spirit, or to mark your salvation through uh, a sense of good works? Take a few minutes to read verses 6 to 14. What do you understand by these verses? What is Paul saying about being righteous, about those who depend on law or works, and about what crucifixion means? Now, as we know, if we've read Corinthians, the law in itself isn't evil. Paul's not saying that. But the law can ultimately only show you how much you have missed the mark. Therefore, if you put all your trust into your own hard work in obeying the law, it's ultimately a futile pursuit, because an imperfect person, such as we are, can't ever make themselves perfect, because they'll always be building on their former imperfections. Paul connects the Jewish God to the Gentiles, all through the sacrifice of Jesus, and he says, look, the way to God is through faith. And this might be stuff we all know, but it's sometimes useful to remind ourselves this, just in case we start trying to earn ourselves a higher status in the church, a higher position in Jesus, which we can all be tempted to do. And the next section of Galatians is all about the law and God's promises. So if you spend a bit of time, read verses 15 to 22. And we've got two things in play here. On one hand, we have this promise that God sends to Abraham. All the nations on earth will be blessed through Abraham. And then on the other hand, we have Moses and the law. And Paul makes the case that the promise of God can't be taken back. Because the promise of God came first. It came before Moses. Or indeed, the promise of God can't be taken over by the law. And if we think that we can become righteous by keeping the law, this means that we don't need God's promise anymore because we can earn it by ourselves. Um, and he's saying that's not that's not the case. Paul is saying that God alone makes us righteous through faith in his promise and specifically the promise of Jesus. And the law was given to Moses after God's promise simply to point us in the right direction make us realize, hey, we're still sinners. This is showing you how you're a sinner. Turn you back to the promise God gave years before to Abraham, 
There is a promise to have faith in. It wasn't ever supposed to be a checklist to get us in. It was supposed to point us towards. So a real big question for you guys today is, do you ever feel like you need to earn your way to Jesus alongside the promises that he has given us? So remember the law, and for today, um, any challenge from a close believer is not supposed to hurt and destroy you, but simply to remind and encourage you that we all need to rely on Jesus and not in our own strength. It must have been wonderful for Paul to recognise that since the very beginning, since Abraham himself, God hadn't expected us to work our way to him. God was always simply trying to bring us back to him in love. So why don't you read the rest of chapter 3, um, verses 23 to 29, and just write up what stands out to you most and what challenges you the most. So for me, for Paul to say that all are God's children is not a small thing. Paul's a Pharisee. He would have been taught that the only people that are important to God really are Israel. They're the chosen people. Others are outsiders. The Israelites are there to kind of, you know, point out the bad things they've done. And he makes the case that the law was simply a safeguard to help Israel before the Messiah came. And then in the Messiah, everybody is now God. So there's no longer Jew or Greek, men or women, slave nor free. Obviously, there are still distinctions but those distinctions are not held against them. In Christ, all are valued equally rather than split apart. So here we're on to chapter 4. And Paul continues his examples of why Jesus setting us free is greater than living under the law. So if you read verses 1 to 7 and then ask, how do you feel about being God's heirs? Do we understand the importance of this and does it influence how we behave and how we do things and think about things? And Paul is kind of making the case that if you live under the rule of law or for us, it could be if you live under the rule of religious orders, it's like being a psychological slave. You're a slave to whatever you allow yourself to have power over you. And in Jesus, the Jewish and Gentile believers have been set free from law. And while some may still live in a lawful way, because that's their culture, now they are able to be righteous because of the sacrifice on the cross rather than because of the law. And the same goes for the Gentiles in verse 8. Paul says they were slaves to so-called gods, their statues, their gods, whatever it was. And it makes Paul incredulous why anyone would willingly return to a way of life that demands you obey what he says are weak and useless principles of the world. So things like you have to dress a certain way, you have to eat a certain thing, you have to go to certain festivals, you have to do certain things at certain times in order to make the gods happy. And these all acts that are rigid and they're not from the love of the heart. So for, for us, maybe think about and put this in comments and be really quite harsh about it. What are the weak and useless worldly principles that we have today that we sometimes end up falling into? Note that oh, Jesus does command you to do certain things. There are commandments that he sets out. But they're all about loving and serving and making amends, living wisely. 
I don't think that is a weak and useless principle to become a slave to. I'm thinking about other things that really don't matter. So for Paul, once you've had to think about that, look at verse 12 to 16. There's a great local example here. Um, Paul was sick, and from the way he writes, he he doesn't mean he felt weak or had a cold. He probably had an illness that culturally would mean being ostracised and ignored. So, I don't know, leprosy, disability, flu, beggars, something like that. And he says that through law, or a culture of useless gods, he should have been ignored, but that the Galatian church took him in as if he was an angel. And he challenges the church to look at themselves in comparison to how they behave towards him, where they, their love for another person had bent the rules of culture. And why did they bend the rule of cultures? Um, because they had been set free in Christ. And he's asking them to remember what they used to be like. And in verse 17, he says, hey, there are false teachers that are eager to win your favour so that you'll pay attention only to them. Paul is worried that the church are being infiltrated by false teachers who are in the game just for fame and popularity. And Paul, compared to that, is therefore competition, and he's being lied about and ousted. And clearly, he doesn't like that, but he's asking the church to remember how they behaved towards him when he was ill, to show a real outpouring of faith. That church weren't trying to win any competitions or, or you know win points in a law. They were just showing love. And something we can take from this, this popularity contest that's happening in the Galatian church, have we ever experienced popularity contests in the church that have caused problems? And have we ever seen false teaching creep in that drew attention to perhaps a popular leader rather than supporting of the church as a whole? And Paul stressed as best he can in this short letter that faith in Jesus is the way. You know, it's been faith ever since Abraham. Works are good, you know, works are all well and good, but works come from a love of God and faith in God, not to gain favour from God. And it hurts Paul that false teachers are pushing towards a more religious, work-based faith, um, rather than a faith in love that then produces good works. Um, I guess we can hope that some members of the Galatian church stood up for Paul. And remember, if your church leader is legitimate, you should be standing up for them and supporting them. Um, especially if we believe other members of the church are trying to get them kicked out. Because that happens. Faith brings salvation, not works. And in Christ, all are valued equally. And that's second part of Galatians.